Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Each week, we sit down to watch an episode of Battlestar Galactica. Now, I've seen them all, but my good pal Matt has only seen up to the one we are covering. And on this week's episode, we bring you Season 4, Episode 20, Daybreak Part 2. God's not on any one side. God's a force of nature beyond good and evil. Good and evil, we created those. You want to break the cycle? Break the cycle of birth, death, rebirth, destruction, escape, death. And that's in our hands. And our hands only. Requires a leap of faith. Requires that we live in hope, not fear. Hey, hey, pal, it's Daybreak Part 2, Christmas Eve, pal. Boy, oh boy. It's Christmas Eve to the big delivery, all the presence of dismay and heartbreak. Oh, is that the the tinkle tankling of centurion feet marching on my roof, (laughs) kicking off shingles? Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Remember we had to figure out what that was? For like a bonus. Oh my God. Do you remember that? <laughs> it drove us <laughs> mental forever. Well, there might have been on BSG, but yeah, it's uh, the clink, the clickety clanking old Saint, old Saint Centurion up on the roof, come to deliver presents. Uh, here we go, man. <laughs> Which is the sweet release of death by bullets. Yes. One day, one, one day, one more to go, man. One more to go. This is the bridge episode of the final three-part episode, which we are in the middle of, smack dab in the middle. If you turn and look, and you just just do me a favor right now, listener, just start scrolling through all those episodes. Man, who would have Takes thought? a few seconds by thumb scroll, but boy, has boy, it been a ride. Howdy, has it been a massive undertaking? And uh, i got to be honest with you, it's pretty impressive that we've made it this far. Um, <laughs> Let's pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, it's really it's really impressive considering all of the uh you know this this thing has been through multiple <laughs> this thing has been through at least one move for me and one move for you. Mm-hmm. I mean through all kinds of ups and downs in our lives. Life, Shit, death, two moves for me. God, yeah, so money, much. no money, dead cars, new cars. <laughs> Fucking man, it's been nuts. It's crazy to think that we first recorded that miniseries so long ago, way before we aired it on, on the podcast. So if you're looking That's in true. your podcast app now at the miniseries coverage, we recorded it way before that. In fact- Eight or nine months, yeah. It, it easily, right? It easily, because we were like, let's back them and let's store them and release them. We had that kind of idea, which was an, an okay idea, but- It was fun for four months. Gave yeah, us a little breathing not, room. I don't. Yeah, it was a learning experience for sure. But uh, but I'm not going to get too. I'm not going to get too into the meta of this show and, and, <laughs> and the discussions because we're not there yet. We got one more before we can embark on that kind of conversation, which I'm sure we will be doing next week, Matt. Um, but until then, we have to talk about Daybreak Part Two. Here we go. Lots of ha- lots of things have happened. There were some reveals. There was an amazing amount of action in this, and 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 boy. Did they just 
dumped, did they empty their pockets on that action sequence? They sure did. God, I imagine next episode is going to be nothing but the, all the, the cast just like in fields of trees or something. Like just <laughs> no sets, no, no machinery, no centurions. They're all off camera. Like, fuck, that's the whole budget right here. Crazy, huh? So coming out of the gate, let's just dive right into this. Uh, spoiler, I think, Matthew, that this episode, and I say this a lot, and it ends up being not the case, I feel like it might be a little bit shorter, which is shocking to say as we're on the eve of the finale, because it is largely uh, combat-driven, literally action combat. But there are some important revelations and reveals here, um, namely the Opera House, namely, according to Cottle and Rosalind, her imminent demise. And, um, yeah, some, some other stuff going on, some flashbacks we can talk about, which, uh, you know, just, just all kinds of stuff, things with Anders and all that jazz. But let me step aside. Let me climb down off of the podium. Let me get the mic. Let me readjust it for you. There. Let me get, there we are. All right, sir. Take over. Oh my. Um, shit, dude. I am still Free sorting bird! out my, oh, sorry. Wait, what? Free bird because a new guy took the mic. I don't know. <laughs> don't you're gonna be disappointed <laughs> if you want that. No, <laughs> dude, I'm still working out how I feel about all of this. And I mean, as it is so fucking cool to finally see the entirety of the cast. Really, like everyone is now with the same purpose. They're all like united around this mission and this place and putting their lives literally on the line. Um, and, and also that, Hey boy, have we ever had a clearer confirmation that yes, indeed head six is supernatural and evidently head Gaius too. These are, these are supernatural entities beyond Cylons and humans. There we go. That's, that's pretty damn well confirmed in this episode. That's something we've been speculating about since day one. How so, do you uh, feel about that? We got we got we got to talk about that because yeah. it plays into a lot of the god talk from Head Six for the entire series. And I got a two part question for you. I think I'm going to be pushing a lot of questions and, and a lot of my ponderings towards you on this. Um, the, the one is that, and the number two, we're going to put this one in your back pocket. I want you to think about it. Okay. At this point of the series, there is only one episode left. Indeed. That means that obviously it's really hard to say this, but this far, how do you feel so far about the end of Battlestar Galactica? That's going to be the second part of the question, but please start with, with Quo Angel, Supernatural, Head Six, Head Gaius, etc. Let's talk about this. All right. Well, shit. I, I mean, in, in one sense, when I'm thinking about this from a writer's sense, I'm like, it kind of has to be that at a certain point. I'm like, they have affected so much uh, in reality and, and, and moved you know, things for Gaius, stood Gaius up after he took a rifle butt to the face. They have power. Like They, they are animating this and moving this. So, yeah, I think, I think it had to be, it's almost one of those moments where it's like, it just had to be this. Like We're, we're going to have to see a confirmation of religion. I do like that it is outside of either concept of, of polytheism or monotheism. It doesn't confirm itself to fit any mold like they just are it's almost like they have just this interest uh in the in the fates of these two races species um but damn man like we've been we've been talking about that since so god at least season one but talking about polytheism versus monotheism and that 
it's interesting to see that that's kind of been pushed aside like that where it, it's I mean, essentially, Gaius's speech at the end of this episode is him talking about we're beyond that. Like this, this doesn't encompass our reality anymore. Um, and it, so, in a way, I mean, it kind of is the death of monotheism and polytheism. Like I, I, by the end of this episode, and with seeing everybody truly being united, even the Cylons, you know, the 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 non rogue Cylons and the humans all together now. I mean, what all I can think from that is okay religion is dead as we know it like we are now going to move past the what we know from humanity what we know from cylons and into something new including their belief structure and including you know what i mean this has got to be the birth of a new religion like i'm wondering if we're going to see something like that in the final episode that this is that new idols will come out of this because this seems like a pretty fateful moment in all of existence uh for for these crews and Boy, do I not know what it's gonna look like. Like I feel I feel so shitty as far as I'm like, God, I still I'm I'm like scratching my head as far as I have no predictions anymore, man. I have no predictions. Um and fuck, I I'm I'm still figuring it out, man. Uh but yeah, no, I, I can totally see next episode something alluding to not just new civilization, new way of life, but a whole new belief structure that that the old prophecies are kind of made irrelevant. Interesting. I like it. So yeah, it's um it is it's very interesting. So I can't I don't remember how much of this is discussed in the last episode. So sadly, I'm going to have to hold my thoughts on the head characters for now. Yeah. Um and then we can sort of probably we might have to table the head discussion for next week from my perspective because I don't I don't want to say too much here other than I do like that we do have a confirmation that this is not a chip, that this is not Cylon projection, yeah. and that it's not yeah. outward hallucination. And that's those were that was on the table as possible possible explanations. Head six is a chip in Gaius's mind used to manipulate him, but to what end? You know, I feel like we kind of discover this rather quickly in the show, but we don't latch onto it because we're always assuming that there's a larger plan. Because at the outset of Battlestar Galactica, the plan seems clear, the eradication of humanity. That seems to be the case. Uh, Leoben sets us up for fuckery by telling us all of this has happened before, all of it has happened again. Well, of course, from his perspective, because of the way the Final Five created them and the cycle they were in. Now, what's also very interesting is this idea that if Gaius was in fact had a chip in him and he was being manipulated by some sort of Cylon conscious, we, we know... Early, it's hard to tell that. And, and, and number one, number one, it's early to know. It's too, you don't know that early in the show. And number two, it's all but confirmed that there's no way anybody's in a meditation chamber controlling Gaius's mind because we've seen intimate looks into the Cylon fleet and they don't appear to be engaged in that type of activity. Uh, so we can pretty much suggest that that's not the case. The other option is hallucination, which is just outrageous because uh, there is neither a there's there's neither a reason to believe that guys out there has some sort of brain tumor or is mentally compromised and if he is then how is also Caprica 6 i mean that seems largely right. ludicrous which takes options off the table and leaves us with something beyond like you said our first look at something supernatural what a fascinating topic to bring into military science fiction but not unprecedented because we've seen the discussion about religion, polo, 
you know, a lot of what we talked about, this idea of the eradication of the old Roman gods in favor of the one God, Judeo-Christian God, right? This this parallel storytelling that we see here that represents that in, in, in Gaius of all people, perhaps being a metaphor for Jesus, although we're not really trying to tell the story of Jesus through Gaius, because uh, I don't think I don't think most people would agree they share the same traits as men. So yeah, shiesty backstabbers, you know. <laughs> so um, yeah, it is it is interesting. It leaves you with limited options. It becomes God. It becomes deity. It becomes angels. It becomes uh, creatures from beyond, supernatural or otherwise. And I think that that's very interesting. Uh, at this point of the show, I feel like a lot of people. Before they even before even the next episode is on, which is Daybreak Part Three, of course, the conclusion of the series, the series finale. Good God, I oh. would be, I would be, I, I believe most people at this point had a pretty good feeling about whether they liked the end of the show or not. That's kind of why I was asking you, um, yeah. because I don't think there are many major revelations. Because there were some this week, again with the head characters. That's why I was just trying to get a pulse on you. What do you think, how do you feel about the ending of the show? How do you feel about season four so far? And then, of course, we can really expand upon this next week. Ooh, okay. I can can talk about that a little bit because if I'm being 100% honest, I'm I'm a little bit like, it feels like we've been a little bit reduced to just Hera. Like, if I I was going to put a knock against it where I'm like, we had so many different ideas about you know what Starbuck is, what is Gaius's purpose, how is he connected to the Cylons, or is he connected to the Cylons, and you know the the Opera House, all of these things. And to one degree, I am satisfied by the the sight, like the very sight of watching Gaius and and Caprica Six walk into the CIC, which has thus become the Opera House with the Pretty final five on top, yeah. like. Yeah, like, and again, the way that plays back into the repetitive cycle of things, I'm like, that is cool. I do fucking like seeing it. I like the that fate has been that fate is essentially instead of taking them somewhere and leading them to a place, it's transformed what they know into it. Yes, um, which I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool. On the flip side of that, where I have a slight knock is where I'm like, ah, it kind of feels like a lot of things got shaved off to make sure it was just all about Hera. Hera is the only thing that kind of matters at the end of the day. I mean, that is literally, she is the object of all of this, the, this fighting and, you know, the sole solution for each side's problem. And, you know, the Mexican standoff at the end ends because of, you know, a transaction about her. And so I'm like, I, it's, it's fine. Like I, but I'll, I'll admit it kind of took the wind out of me a little bit where I was like, I didn't think Hera was going to be so singularly the end of the show. Um, but the fact that this is only the second episode really has me still really curious about like, well, where does it seems like the third episode is going to have to be pretty much beyond her and, and the conclusion of the rest of our characters and their journeys, which this episode still kind of feels like it's setting up. Uh, sure. like we're getting, yeah, we're sure. still getting those, those flashbacks of Adama and Ty back on Caprica and kind of where people were to kind of prepare us for seeing, seeing them off. Um, but yeah, like, so I'm a little bit torn about that. It feels like, feels like everything's been pared down to one kid, um, all of the importance. Uh, but at the same time, man, watching a prophecy unfold and become true before them, like the sequence itself is is spectacular. I really did enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to jot down a couple of things. I'm jotting them down as we talk here on my little notepad. And I just wrote Hera, Starbuck, The Fleet, Rosalind, Cylon Rebels, Bad Cylons, 
opera house? What else? What are other things that need to be addressed? Let me, let me actually think about that. And let me talk about Hera for just a second. Yeah. Um, I kind of forgot about the, I, I forgot totally how the mystery of the opera house was, was resolved. Totally forgot about it, dude. Really? So that yep. was new again for you? Yeah. Only seen it one time and I saw it, I'm not kidding, like eight years ago. <laughs> so I don't, I didn't remember it at all. I remember the first season in the miniseries very, very well because I've seen them many times over. I've only seen season four one time and these last episodes one time. So I kind of had forgotten about it until it started happening. I was like, okay, that's right. Um, so that said, the good news, I think you're on to something in that the good news, because dude, I only remember one, I, I remember two things about the final episode and that's it. Two things. Yes. And I'm <laughs> which not you can't s- say. <laughs> which I can't say because- if I say, it'll mean that they're impactful enough to remember, and I don't want to give any spoilers as far as that goes. So, Hera, you're right. It is Daybreak Part 2. It's not the season finale. And we did have, we did, we, it was important to wrap up the mystery of the opera house. But what, I guess, I guess what we're trying to say is that Hera seems to be the linchpin that causes the war between humans and Cylons to end, at least as far as the end of this episode is concerned. Now, we've seen them pivot away from Hera and then back to Hera again. And, and maybe, maybe her remarkableness is simply the fact that she is a union between Cylon and human, and that means something for the future, which wasn't a possibility at the outset of this, although we did get teased by it. It would be interesting right. to watch a video of all of the Hera stuff. Like, I'm sure somebody's cut every scene involving the prophecy of Hera and what that means. Right. Now, stitching it all together. I think one of the interesting things about it, although it isn't playing with great pomp and circumstance, I think visually what's cool, because the opera house is a very visual uh, story element, and I think you need to make it visually compelling. And those five Cylons up top, them looking up at the Cylons and Anders being up there, I think is kind of cool. I do think that's visually appealing. Oh, yeah. And in part of me after watching this episode, felt like, okay, so that's kind of it with Hera. But I, I, in, in, in expecting more, I, I then started to think about it and go, wait a minute, maybe, maybe we're missing what the more is, which is outside of just being a bargaining chip, she's literally somebody who is ending the war with her presence amongst Cylon and human right yeah. there on the CIC. We're all, we're, you know, we're, where the fucking war started is where the war is ending on the CIC, you know? Um, started for these characters. Actually, it didn't really. It, they were on the CIC, but you know what I'm saying. Like, the, it's yeah, a cool. It's us. a cool place for it to be. Yeah, yeah. No, that like I said, like I enjoyed that. That we weren't still being blasted off to some new place or on some new, you know, trail to find something else, something new, another clue. Like it all comes back. It all is falling back into where it's always been. You know, the places that we already know. The the CIC of the Battlestar. And to me, like, I think that's why it's successful in that way is because it folds in on itself like everybody's destiny sure. does. I mean, like, the way that it mirrors that is, is actually really cool. So we got, I just made, made me some more notes, Hera, Starbuck, The Fleet, Rosalind, Cylon Rebels, Their Fate, Bad Cylons, Their Fate, Opera House. It seems to me we've got that. Earth, we've got, like, we, we, we learned about Earth, Final Five, Ellen. Are any of these things so far disappointing to you? 
and I know they haven't concluded yet, but but I'm I will I like I'd like to get a litmus test here because we're going to revisit all of these next week. Mm-hmm. Earth was the the least disappointing. I was I thought that was a spectacular surprise. I right because really it ties that. into the final five. How do you feel about the final five? How do you feel about Ellen as one of the final five? That I enjoyed. I enjoyed cool. that reveal. Yeah, that, that was a sticking point for a lot of people. Really? Yeah. Yep. That's funny. Yeah, I, I didn't mind that at all. Because people were was... like, Ellen. Like, ugh. <laughs> not, not a beloved character. That's why, you know. There you go. I mean, hell, I think it was her death that made that cemented her for me. I was like, oh, now I really do right. feel things for you. Right, right, Fuck. right. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. I mean, as far as the final five goes, that is probably my single element of I'm going to need a little more answers to feel satisfied as far as just like what they're going to do now. How will they be a part of this? Because only Ellen out of the final five and Sam to a much lesser degree because he's essentially an invalid Oracle person now. Um, she's the only one who remembers the process of creating resurrection and anything about it. And I'm like, how are you going to to do anything with putting forward resurrection or, or moving forward with the final five when they all still are just like, yeah, we're just, we feel like people we don't remember being the final five. That, that I'll admit is kind of sticking with me. I'm like, what, is that going to be addressed? How are we going to handle this? I think um, I see it's funny. You say that now I don't, again, I don't remember the last episode, but I do think that they've been trying to address that by showing these people re-engage in their lives. Like, in, like their normal like life. Ty being Ty. Yeah. Chief being chief. Right. That, so I mean, I guess in that sense, it's it's showing that it doesn't matter. Um, it mattered. It mattered for the lore, but doesn't. But but what does it mean going forward? I think that's right. that's the distinction, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but they do offer. I mean, Ty offers up creating resurrection again. For that was them, huge. The, the only ones that hold the key, which was a great moment. I really thought that was awesome. That Ty would step forward and make a make a huge offer, which what is a not normally for fucking. What a moment for Michael Hogan. To be like, yeah. I'm going to be the guy at the end of this show to bring up this idea of what could possibly be a truce. Now, whether or not it ends that way, we'll have to see next week. But boy, what a fucking moment. And it's Colonel Ty, of all people, standing up on the deck. Adam is not even part of that, you know, which, right. which she's supposed right. to show you. Adam's going to have shit to do next week. But um, <laughs> it's really Ty making that call and saying, this is what we're going to do. Obviously, Adam has to agree to it. Um, but I don't think Adama has any answers here for once, um, which is right. really interesting. You know, I, I do like that moment a lot. Um, I, I think no, it's I cool. I, and it's, and it's, and it is, again, if you, if we want to talk about the cyclical nature of what Leoben put forth so long ago, it's interesting that the final five are now offering resurrection again, a technology that has been a problem for so long, <laughs> but, right. but it there seems is, to be yeah, a way to break bad the cycle. Yeah. But but it's interesting that we're going to try to reseed to continue the metaphor and break the cycle. Right, right. No, and I just Slick. for as far as a character moment goes too, I think it's such a it's such an expansion of Ty that at this point he's the person who essentially makes almost the conciliatory offer. Like, yeah, yeah. I I will reach this out. I will put this forward. Even Ellen's shocked that he would do that. Uh, I mean, he's fucking come a long way. He's come a long way from being so entrenched in in the camp of humanity versus Cylon. Yeah. Um, I mean, even a few episodes ago, he was the character struggling with that. One of the other, uh, let me, let me actually label them. One, two, three, four. I'm just seeing how many they got. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I managed, oh no, eleven. Fuck. Oh no, ten. Because final five, I just put Ellen in parentheses. 
So I, 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 the 10 bullets I have, I just added one, the music, and I don't mean Barry McCreary, but this musical notation thing, mm-hmm. this Starbuck with the music, this Hera with the music, these are also elements that we still have to understand. Obviously, a lot of that got sidetracked when they were like, okay, we need to attack the colony and rescue this kid. The ship's dying. It's going to be this last moment. And, and this was a great, this was a, a moment for Bill, you know, where Bill's like, we're not, we're not going to sit here. That was last week when he divvies up, he puts the red line down and everything else, you know. He calls for volunteers. Ah, uh, but shit. Yeah, I mean, that is something we still have very few answers on. That's what, that's another like genuine mystery left. And it's very much for, for Starbuck. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Good stuff, man. So yeah, we got a lot to, uh, we got a lot to talk about. So, so. Give me a letter grade on Hera through Daybreak 2. Hera slash Opera House. <laughs> hmm. As far as like satisfying with Satisfaction. Yep. Satisfaction. You just, I would say- you just read you just read your student's paper. <laughs> and you're like, okay. For me, it's a solid B. It's a solid B. Like okay. I am I am That's overall super satisfied. Fair. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Didn't Hera. know what else to to expect. I'll admit that. Sure, yeah. And in listen, we we can grade the papers. And then we can see the additional work, the extra credit work next week, and we can reassess. Absolutely. Start extra curriculars. Okay. I, I, some of these, some of these, I'm not sure about. But Hera Opera, you're going to say a B. Is there? Is it? Is it? Is it Starbuck? Can we grade that yet? Or are you calling it incomplete so far? Um, that's going to be an incomplete. I think we we save that for next week. All right, and I think that means is the fleet an incomplete so far? The fleet slash uh, Galactica. Ooh. Honestly, that's an A. That's oh, yeah. an A for me, man. I like your style. Uh, fuck. I mean, this episode. This episode is essentially the send off for for Galactica. I mean, uh, we're seeing the final fray here. I mean, maybe we see the actual ship, and and there is a more I don't know a Viking you know funeral type of send off the next episode of some sort. But uh, this this felt like the final ride to me. Yeah. Um, and that felt extremely satisfying to see it go forth into the most heated battle we've ever seen on the show, taking the most damage we've ever seen it take at one time. Uh, I mean, just taking a What, what a sequence. Thing. What a fucking sequence. Dude, yeah. God, we, let's, let's set that up for a second, because the main thing about this attack is that they are going to, the only way to get to the colony and, and actually get close enough for them to get inside and have any shot of physically reaching Hera is to put the ship put Galactica in like the middle of the gates of the colony. Uh, I mean, they are right there. I mean, they're spitting distance. They're literally, they're, they're, the gate guns are the ones that are opening up on them. It's not, they're not, it's, they're not it's, having to send out raiders or anything yet. Yeah, the point defense, it, it's just brutal. The, 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 all of the explosions across the hull of the vessel. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, the idea I that mean, they're going to ram in and then disembark, it's like a pirate ship. Right, it's plow so cool. into it and then hop out. I love it, and, it, oh, and man, it looks incredible. Um, it, that yeah. the 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 entire action sequence around the Galactica is so satisfying. Um, watching people get back into it again, watching Starbuck and and, and Lee together stalking through the hallways. <laughs> um, I yeah. added two more notes. I added two more notes to our papers. Okay. I put down Baltar and I put down six. What, they might be one and the same. I don't know how you want to do that. I also don't want to spoil anything. But um, yeah, that so, mm, that might still be an incomplete for me. All right, yeah. Let's. We probably have a lot of incompletes. Yeah. Let, I'm going to go ahead and mark them with a lowercase i. So uh, Starbuck I, Rosalind. Ooh, now she's another one where I'm a little. 
ah, I feel a little weird about it. I, and I don't know. Like if she lives exactly. or she dies, right? I mean, she, you, yeah. You want to oh, hold this, off. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, my prediction as far as her, I don't have that many predictions for the show, but my prediction as far as her is that I think she dies in the next episode. I do think. Will that affect your grade level? Oh, my grade level for the story? Ah, I'm struggling with this one a little bit. Because I gotta, I gotta say, she kind of feels, I would say, honestly, of any of the characters surrounding this situation with Hera and trying to get to her, at this point, Rosalind is the one who feels, I hate to say it's kind of irrelevant. Tacked like, on, sure. Like, she's, you know, she's there helping usher, you know, Hera. She's the one having the dreams that Caprica has had, and I think even Athena at one time, that they've been sharing these visions. But it is, I mean, Athena is Hera's mother, and Caprica Six is is the only other character outside of Gaius who's literally seeing an angel and being pulled into it. And it kind of, like, that's one of the downsides to Earth being the spectacular, awful surprise that it was, is that kind of after that, Rosalind has literally retreated and, and pulled back and not known what else to do. And I, I still think, I say it's cool to see her pushing herself forward even in these moments of like this is she knows this is the in, end. Like, in the fucking sick bay triage that's brutal right and just fucking putting her hands over gushing wounds and still like she, it's my favorite aspect of of every character across this episode was seeing them with renewed purpose that like there that was completely all of their hesitations all of their doubts have been pushed aside and they are just all committed to this even Rosalind, like that was cool um but overall her her where she's at and how far she's come I'm feeling a little iffy about it. I'm not sure what we can what we can do here. Okay, so uh, let's I, let me let me see if I can lend some assistance to you in this because it's just it, call this a and, and I don't mean to sound like some kind of arrogant prick, but call this a perspective realignment because so much is spent with Hera. Let's just remember here's here's my thoughts on Rosalind through this moment. She is just a reminder of how humanity will endure and how she's the leader to exemplify that to the end, to all the way to the end. Even if her role in the whole Hera thing is smaller, the one thing she does do, and I know it sounds kind of corny, although her role seems irrelevant, she is there according to the vision of the Opera House at a precise moment, which keeps Hera from getting steamrolled by about six centurions and Cavill himself. That's a good point. Right. And it, so it isn't, it, it's, it, it is really, it's not super, it's a little anticlimactic to be sure. Maybe that is, but I, I kind of liked it and I'm not usually the Rosalind apologist, but, um, <laughs> Indeed. but that's just a, that's, I, I guess if you hadn't thought about it that way, maybe you have and you, and you don't care, but if you hadn't, I just wanted to throw that your way. Um, no, I hadn't. I mean, I think that is, that is a good way of putting it. Cause I mean, even though she is not the president anymore, I mean, she has always been, that leadership figure for, for us, the audience, especially, Mm -hmm. um, and seeing her, like I said, I mean, carrying on with purpose again and committing herself to this, that to me, I thought was cool that she was, I mean, her, that scene with her and Cottle and Aisha and her taking 48 more hours of of shots just to keep her on her feet. I mean, that's, that is a a level of determination that is inspiring. And I mean, that is very Rosalind to me. Yeah. That's a great scene. It is. It's a really good scene. And I think, it's also this, uh, it's, she's not the president anymore, but it doesn't matter because she's still a leader. And that's, you know, there is, um, at heart, yeah. there, it take, we've, we've said this before. It's, it's been a while, but you, and, and maybe it hasn't been a while because I say this often, but you, 
it goes back to that great quote in Clerks, which is title does not dictate behavior. Um, you know, Randall has this great argument with Dante and he says, title doesn't dictate behavior. And then when an annoying customer comes to the thing, Randall spits water on the guy and almost <laughs> gets beat up. And, and Dante's like, what the fuck? And he's like, if title dictated behavior, I wouldn't have been able to spit water on that guy. Right. <laughs> right. So in, in a, in a, to, to take that into the leadership, to, to, to apply that to leadership is to say, anybody can say to anyone else, this is now the leader, but that doesn't necessarily make them a leader. Like it takes more than a title to be a leader. And conversely, when you are stripped of that title it, and you are a natural born leader, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a leader anymore. So not the president doesn't mean still not a leader and still probably not one of the most respected people in the fleet. And her example continues to inspire, and it's it's pretty awesome. But we'll we'll we got to wait, so we'll leave her incomplete. <laughs> Any grade on the sure. Silent Rebels at this point? Ooh, I mean, I've dug them. I, I've, Me too. I have I, enjoyed I that storyline, um, and and how much they have been willing to to sacrifice to commit to all of this and fighting alongside humanity post resurrection. That already was a massive moment that I did not expect and thought was excellent. Um, dude, and even in this episode, watching the Centurion dude. soldiers running alongside the human troops, the the fucking it's cool. assault, it's so great. Um, nah, yeah, I've I've I solid A for the Rebel Cylons. Right on. It'll be interesting to reevaluate these later. How about Cavill Cylons? I mean, they've kind of it might just be special. Cavill at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, when he, we last see him, uh, he's been he's been isolated from the rest of them. Uh, but dude, I mean, Cavill gets one, an A from me because he's like Lucifer. Dude, I was gonna say him marching through the hallways, Fuck. him with his black, his black fucking suit with the the, the spinning Cylons all around dun, him, flanking him. Exactly. I think we have a listener comment about that. Exactly that he is fucking Darth Vader, stomping through the halls, laying waste. So cool. Earth, you liked that a lot. I think you gave that. You wanted that A. What did you give the final five again? And by extension, Ooh. Ellen. Oh no, you don't mind. You don't. So Ellen doesn't. So you got final five and then Ellen can shift that grade one letter direction. So give me your final, like I'm making up these rules. <laughs> I, um, you know what? And I'll go with those rules because with, with just the final five as a, as an idea and how they've, they've been shown to us and executed. I mean, their reveal was incredible. Uh, the secrecy around them and, and them trying to understand the mystery of themselves really did enjoy a lot of that. Um, so you're, honestly, gonna, you're, you know you're giving it. them was, a B with Ellen on the plus. I think so. Actually, wow. no, I'd say with them and they're an A with an Ellen on the plus. Hell yeah. All right, I'm cool. Into a man music. We're incomplete on. I mean, so far, Oh, you mean the musical notes? The musical notes. I mean, yeah, Bear McCreary, so that's, that's a no-brainer. That's been we, A+. Plus. <laughs> We're going to need to see some more. See so some incomplete more on the music, on the on the music. I'm just going to write music prophecy. So I keep saying. And then we got Baltar. Baltar had a week, bro. <laughs> you mean this one? Baltar had a week this oh, week. Oh, he stepped up to the speech plate. What's up with Baltar, sucker? <laughs> Hold it. He's fucking holding down a machine gun post. <laughs> a little sloppily, but he's getting it done. He's got his britches down a little bit. Shoes untied. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a bullet hole in between the toes of the boot and one in the ceiling, but he's got a, he's got a, he's got a fucking bullet skip mark off his helmet. 
<laughs> no, I fucking loved guys in this episode. I loved it. <laughs> I now, loved remember, it. I mean, these, these grades are not for the episode, but for in general. Right. The overall feeling for these. People. I think you know how I feel about Baltar. He's your boy. He's your boy. So is six going to be by extension? Does six? I mean, six is such a huge part of the show. I feel like we need to kind of. What? Oh boy! What makes it tricky with six is that you always forget that like this is not head six. Yeah, this is Caprica six. I have to think of them differently. But, but it's the one that they that loved him. That's what's exactly. It's the yeah. one that it's the one that the head six is based on. Right. That is true. The one that I cool. always wanted to be proud of you. Yeah. yeah Hell yeah. Ah, uh, such a good moment. Yeah. They, she wanted to see him as more than another philandering human. <laughs> and he finally, like, it's interesting to think that Head Six had this idea about guys in, 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 in her head, for lack of better words, and regular Caprica Six did as well. And, and he, and he, Decided to step away from the flock. He decided to, quote, give his ass to Lee, end quote. <laughs> and he picked up a gun and he figured it out and he hung out with Six. And he he did something he's never done before. He stepped up. Um, he also gets a good moment in the CIC when he's, when he's you know. Uh, but but Gaius was pretty instrumental this week, I think. I oh, think absolutely. I think it's hard to criticize Gaius this week. And it's, and it's. And I feel like I should be over the moon, like with his behavior and his willingness to stand a posts. Absolutely. And to be I the suggest you in pick the up a weapon and stand a post. Who's <laughs> going to do it? You, Weinberg, you. <laughs> right? Gaius Baltar. Extend me yeah. some fucking courtesy. <laughs> You're goddamn right I did. I do it again. Sorry. I can't, I can't not keep going when I start on the few good men quotes. Uh, fucking Jackie Nicholson. Under the very blanket of freedom that I provide, we use two words like duty, honor, and courage. You use them as a punchline. Okay, <laughs> I'm good. I don't think Baltar's there quite yet. <laughs> nope, nope. He's got a lot more boot camp he's got before a he hits long that. way to go. <laughs> imagine him doing fucking cool. Ma- imagine like next week, he's just like now he's now he's got all the confidence. You know how he gets right. <laughs> all the confidence in the world and now he's just like doing the speeches he's still the smarmy british man of like when you have your hand in a fat pile of goo that was your friend's face if guys gets out of this alive he has now got valor that he can use to get laid <laughs> that's all just he ever what wanted. he needs more advantages <laughs> <laughs> oh but no man i mean for Gaius, the moment of him stepping up in the CIC, gun trained, this horrible, you know, imminent situation where Hera could die, and he's the first one to to step up and say something and and call attention to the fact that they're being united. They yeah. are being united by forces beyond them, and that they should look beyond these their pale little, you know, human and Cylon conceptions of good and evil. Yeah, man, that they've been pulled to this place. Yeah, that's a good moment too. Good shit. Oh, it's so good. Um, so she's yeah, not a thing. She's uh, a child. She's a child. <laughs> um, what do you? I, I like the use of. I feel bad for Anders. I like the use of him this week. Oh, Anders. I mean, yeah. he's kind of like you said. He's sort of become this invalid who just sort of exists I mean, in this mainframe matrix. But he did. He did turn off that ship from utterly destroying the the Battlestar. That was the plan all along. So right. 
Right. And we do get a, that little interesting moment there where he, the actual Anders pops out uh, and says, you know, you betcha, Galen. And yeah, then yeah, he yeah. Continues, it continues to like, you know, keep up the attack and pull back on the system so you don't overload the power. So I did find that interesting too, that there's Very a confirmation cool. that his personhood, his identity is still intact in there somewhere to some degree. What's going Oh, a couple other things. Let me write down, and of course, him. Boomer gets Dude. fucking iced. That's it. Boomer is <laughs> fucking gone. Holy and shit. all body shots. Man, that's hardcore. I know. Brutal. God, Athena really wanted her to feel it. Oof. Fucking hey. But she made her choice, and I mean, that's it. That that's what her that's what her ending here is is that final choice and understanding that that she will be dead for this <laughs> yeah. that it will not repair what you've already damaged and destroyed but you can have at least one final act of contributing to to the greater good i'm a sucker for tragedy boomer gets an a for me yeah no i agree i agree it's um, so fucking sad i gotta tell you i'm a little, are you a little worried about helo I am super worried about Hilo uh, because of this episode. I mean, they leave him as he's like, "I'm, you're going to bleed out. And he's like, go. And they touch hands again. And she leaves. And that's it. No more Hilo the rest of the episode. Yeah. Um, not looking good. I can't imagine he just fully dies off screen. Um, that would really bother me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it could be played for a tragic moment uh, that they return and he's just already gone. Athena didn't get to say goodbye. I mean, Oh, fuck, I would hate that because he's our, he's my boy and I'm so tired. So sick and tired of Hilo getting shafted all the time. But yeah. fucking A. It's funny, I'm thinking about Hilo carrying Hera, just how fucking heroically awesome it is to carry your daughter in one hand and a fucking assault rifle in the other. That's so gangster. Exactly. I love that. Uh, I think that gets bad. I love that shit. And I just like that moment where they break, you know, when, when you have six and guys holding down an, an end of the hallway and then Lee and everyone else comes through. And, you know, I... I I know we're talking about Hilo, but but back on guys a second. I just love that feeling of relief, and obviously the scary moment where he almost shoots them accidentally, and then he puts his hands up when Lee and them guys come around the corner. In a, and it's funny because I bet for the first time this whole show, and it's really a brief moment, a brief exchange, and it's everyone's moving quick. Everyone's a trained warrior. Nobody's nobody's sitting around sucking each other's dicks, <laughs> and they all kind of cruise by. and And I wonder if in that moment. Gaius kind of felt like he was part of something because he's never felt like he's part of anything ever. Oh, he always avoids it. And, and he's always like tangentially attached to it. Like even when he's the president, he was just like, oh, I think he was, <laughs> I think he was trying to win out of spite. Right. Right. Because right. of, of all the shit with uh, Rosalind. And then when he was on New Caprica, he was just like, he didn't, he wasn't part of anything. He was utterly alone. Oh, totally. With the exception of gun. plowing his, his Cylon women. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It's fucking wild, dude. That the moment I want to go back to Boomer, please when, do. When she is gunned down, and what do we cut to immediately? Yeah, her as a cadet being grilled by a oh. because she couldn't ever land a ship without scraping holes into their fucking ship. A flashback that worked on me. Yeah, no, I really liked this. I liked this. Yeah, and I mean, they, what are they? They're really just pinning her down here about like you don't have a family you're you're so neurotic you have nothing else this is you know the service is really all that she has and mm -hmm. even that is slipping away from you which just feels like they're reading the future for poor fucking boomer 
Yeah. Um, yeah. That, but that even she now says that she will prove herself, that she will prove, if nothing else, by the very end, that I will, I will pay this back to you. I will do the right thing. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking good. It's really good. Yeah, Boomer. It's inter- it's interesting to think about this. It is a little. It is a little. Um, it is a little kind of forced in here a little bit because it because we we're telling the story now as opposed to back when we had an opportunity to. But this, I like the idea of Boomer not being a perfect candidate in the beginning, yeah. who grew to become a lieutenant in a fucking you know in in this in this hierarchy. And got to be a, a raptor pilot, and got to be an important member of this crew. I mean, what a what a fucking tragic story for this character. Oh, it's so sad. Athena's lucky. Boomer, not so much. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's to see how far she came. And obviously, these guys are these guys are Raz and the cadet. They're kind of having fun, the XO and the CO a little bit because I think they they do care about her and they do want to make an impression and they want her to understand what she's doing and the importance of what, what she signed on to do. And, right. and yeah, you know, he's, he, I, I guess what we're supposed to believe is Boomer wasn't this perfect candidate and probably could have been washed out. And then they stuck by her and, and she, I mean, that to me explains her, her diehard feelings for, for sure. the fleet, for the old sure. man. I mean, we, we, even when she stole Hera away and was this, you know, another act of betrayal from, from Boomer, it cut her deeply just because of they really were her first family. Sure. Like that that's what we're seeing here. That she she had nothing else, and they're the ones who eventually, you know, she fought and earned her way up through that place and those among those people, and really has no connection to to the Cylons once she is back with them, other than Cavill. And I think honestly, I think that's why we see such a weird connection with her and Cavill for such a long time that she yes. kind of falls under his sway because she's just grasping for something and he sees it and takes her under his wing but she doesn't ever really seem a part of the other Cylons uh, the thing I like about that is that I, I like the idea of discussing her relative to the family that is Galactica because she didn't have one but I but to your point I could see Cavill really manipulating her by saying no they're not really your family like I am it, it, right. it's like that dark father thing right Right. Oh, absolutely manipulating her in that. I'm your dad, but all, but not when the lights are off, babe. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> Yikes. He's that kind of guy. Um, <laughs> I mean, look at him stomping through those holes. President Lampkin? Question mark. <laughs> I I was both a little confused by, but also very happy to see it. I'm not gonna lie. I was just like, oh fuck my boy Lampkin. He's got a spot. Got a spot in the finale. He's there. He's important. That is a hilarious president, dude. Um, <laughs> you know, it's given the circumstances. I, I don't mind it that much because it's not like. First of all, isn't isn't the where's the quorum? I don't even know where they are anymore. And the last one got murdered, and they're in the midst of this insane conflict, which is clearly this ship's last. So they're not going to really hold elections and pressers like they did uh, back in the earlier seasons yeah. when Gaius was going against. Um, Roslyn. So, yeah, I don't I do, mind. I, th- I think they were like, here's a named character. I think they, I think from a writing standpoint, they were like, we want it to not be a random person. Like, yeah, you know, Billy's dead. Tori's a fucking Cylon. It's not going to be them. <laughs> so let's, let's make it somebody they know and make it Lampkin. There's a, they, they probably looked at the list, the dramatis persona, and were like, let's go ahead and use this guy because it's somebody that I recognize. 
Right, right. And no, honestly, I think uh, one of our listeners, Philip Zierman, said it very, very well because he talks about Lampkin's uh, essentially perceived neutrality by everybody. Sure. Um, I want to read his comment here, actually, because he says, I kind of think Lampkin makes sort of sense since he had a high profile at Baltar's trial, and he also defied Gaeta and Zarek's mutiny by refusing to participate in a show trial for Adama. It's also possible that none of the ship captains, who I agree would be logical choices after Zarek murdered the quorum, were willing to leave their ships or divide their time as an, uh, as an attention away from their ships by also serving as president in a time of crisis, particularly with Galactica leaving on what was expected to be a one-way mission. Lampkin's well-positioned as a consensus candidate, since he's well-known, wouldn't be taken away for some other essential duty, and he doesn't have an independent power base or is identified with any one particular group, because we've seen how fractured the colonists get from time to time. So he's someone everyone can live with. That's so and, funny. That's, that's the exact reason Baltar got elected. <laughs> <laughs> there you go he's an outsider yep he's not military and he's not cylon <laughs> but no i mean i actually think that's a that's a really way good way of putting it uh philip i think he is somebody who nobody is going to fear that romo lampkin is going to be corrupted by the desire for power like that is that is not in his mo um, I think he he sweats that. <laughs> you can see it from a mile away. This is not some guy trying to consolidate individual power for himself and and you know plunder for his own greed. Yeah, uh, Callum Banbury was thought Lampkin was an unusual choice instead of one of the ship's captains in charge. And I think he probably that probably makes sense, but but probably because of what we were just saying. Um, and then he said, um, Hoshi, interesting that during the mutiny, Adam scoffed at the idea of Gaeta being a commander, but Hoshi, who served in the same role as Gaeta on the Pegasus, is now the admiral. Um, yeah, I think that was more about the man than it is about the position, but that type of character, that operations manager, you know, that, that they're, they're in line of succession to, to run the boat. And, uh, yeah, I guess, again, I think that gets back to what's going on with Hilo. Who else is it going to be? And we all left the ship anyway. <laughs> right, right. Right. Huh. Um, Callum has a question for you. Um, did you expect this battle to end with negotiation? Mm, and with Cavill of all people. Yeah. Uh, big, hard no. I did not yep. expect that. Um, to be honest, I was I was even half expecting at some point that per, perhaps there would, we would see some kind of consensus come out among the other Cylons, like I really did think that Cavill was going to hold on to his his desire for revenge to the bitter end. Like I thought, yeah. I I almost thought he would accept Cylon destruction if if it meant human destruction as well. Like that's interesting. Yeah, that's what I really thought he was going to go with. So to, for me, it was it was a pleasant surprise for not just him making the the deal and accepting resurrection for giving up Hera but that he still has genuine care for the Cylon race. It's not just an, an, a, a personal thing for him, that, that his concern extends across their whole race's existence, yeah, not just and, revenge. And, and even though he was compared to marching the halls as Vader, he's always been shrewd. Oh, absolutely. He's always been slick. He's always been a manipulator. And those types of guys typically won't go headlong into the gates of hell. To, to smite their enemies if they if, if surviving is an option right <laughs> true true pretty Especially now the resurrection ain't there right absolutely and then when it comes up he's like well wait a minute oh if i can have that christmas present yes indeed mm-hmm. definitely built some back doors in that thing though to keep those guys in check <laughs> gotta box people every now and then you know <laughs> um I, I just want to uh tighten up a couple more things on daybreak part two before we get to the rest of these listener comments 
I don't know if there's anything in particular that stands out for you, but um, I wanted to talk about, we get, a, we get these kind of flashbacks. Mm. Let's talk about the Kara flashbacks with Lee and Zach. And of course, um, Roslyn's with this older guy. Like, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts on some of these things? Dude, well, for, for one, for me, the, the Adama and Ty one, which is a blast and hilarious. Now we know how Ty screams at strip clubs, just yells at Titty. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> like they're making a touchdown. Um, but no, I, I never fully realized, I think until that flashback, just how just how tied to to the service and to Galactica Adama is just in his own like well-being like he's, sure, he's sure. a fucking mess he's he's horrendous i mean he's on the ground he's a fucking 60 something mess fucking mess something 60 something year old man laying on the ground puking into his chest cuz he's just you know what it reminds me of strip club. Hmm. on the lost drive when we covered excalibur yeah it reminds me of this idea that the land and the king are one it's like the man <laughs> yes. and the ship are one, you know, this idea that, you know, that, that he, his well-being is tied to his involvement directly with that ship. Um, it's pretty cool. Indeed, that he, he was accepting this decommissioning ceremony and that was like killing him. What do you suppose um, he was smiling at after that glorious vomit scene? Honestly, in that moment, I think he was just looking up to the stars and remembering better times. Hopeful, of being yeah, in the I think he was being hopeful for sure. Oh, you think he was being hopeful? I thought it was more of him reminiscing. Like, oh, okay. Because at, like at that, that. moment, because at that moment, he doesn't ha- have any idea for the future. He thinks he's going to go to the decommissioning ceremony, and that's going to be the end of his military career, essentially. Um, but I think he's reminiscing there. <clears throat> but it, for me, it, it, it puts the question in my mind of how will Adama really be after this, uh, after this is all over now. Sure. Because, um, I mean, we we had that great moment with Rosalind, you know, an episode or so ago where she was saying, I don't think you can handle losing us both. Um, and that's those were the words ringing in my ears when I was watching that scene. I was like, God, he's about to lose the Galactica for real, permanently here soon. And Rosalind is also seemingly on her last leg. And it, it, it showing that flashback to to really show how deteriorated Adama has been before um, makes me wonder how he's going to be, how it's going to end up for him. I'm, I'm a little more concerned for how he's going to take all of this. I dig it. I dig it. And Lee, Kara, and Zach, what what was your take on this here? I I, I kind of just took this as, you know, I, there's always this connection between Lee and Kara. There always has been, regardless of whatever. Right, right. They have always had a, a fondness for one another and always a connection um, and I mean, I do like watching them take care of, of his brother, that they, that is something that bonded them, that they cared equally for him. So you very much so understand that the loss is what I think really glues them. Yeah. That's I dig cool. that. It's cool. Because it's a hard ass drinker though. Shit. Let me tell you, isn't it interesting to see, I thought, I thought I, I want to shout out, um, Katie Sackhoff in this episode. Because she seems so bubbly and bright and happy, which really started to go away as the show progressed, rightfully so, and realistically so, as her character went through terrible things. You know, with the introduction of Laoban, her world was basically flipped upside down, and she started to confront all these things she didn't think she ever had to. She always had been reckless and fun and punched tie in the face, striking a superior asshole, doing push-ups in the brig. That's how we meet her. Right. Smoking, chomping cigars, sunglasses on, you know, 
always being that feeler, that instinctive one, instead of that methodical Lee type of character that he could never quite understand. Yet they were always inexorably drawn to each other, despite the, despite Anders, despite even Zach, apparently. Um, yeah. What do you, what did you, what was your, what were your thoughts on the fact that she was involved with Lee prior to the death of Zach? I mean, it's hardly surprising to me, but I was just going to say, yeah, not, not shocked by it at all. Um, I don't know, man. She is such was a, was it necessary? Such- like, in other words, I guess, I guess, some of the some of the thoughts I've had is what exactly are we seeing here? What what were they trying to tell the viewer on uh, at this stage of the game? Mm. Well, I mean, for me, kind of makes me wonder if we're going to see this come back. If we're going to see mm. a relationship start to regrow for them, because it kind of seems as if their relationship can't be destroyed um, because we've watched it. We watch it emerge from the death of of Zach, uh, and they uh, kind of come together, even though they never. They never had a, a an official relationship and stayed together, but they are consistently drawn back to one another. Um, and I think reiterating this here with the flashback that just them, you know, Lee entering the room and seeing her and the way she looks at him, the way he looks at her immediately. It's like, um, that's it's, like some storybook shit. Exactly. I mean, it's literally love at first sight. And I think it's, I think we're going to see this maybe even in the next episode. I mean, shit, we better. That's the last one we got. Yeah. And, and I'll do respect to Zach, but he had to go. I mean, he had a pinky ring. <laughs> What's with that? I mean, you know, open bo- you open beers with that. Yeah, you got a pinky ring, dude. What? <laughs> what the hell are you doing? <laughs> if you're not in the mafia and you're not some sort of wizard, then you shouldn't have a ring on your pinky. All right. Um, <laughs> and then what about Roslyn's younger gentleman? Dude, I don't know what to make of this. I, lo- I love that Rosalind doesn't turn him away, though. She's like, fuck it, I'll take some young dick. I, I don't give a shit. <laughs> just my old Relatively family Relatively speaking. Yeah, right. <laughs> but damn, yeah, that's, that was an interesting little moment there. And, and I, don't, I don't know why it fits in here. This is the one that seems the most out of place to totally. me. Totally. Um, and I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's weird. Um, it's weird. I will not tell you how it resolves, but it is weird at this stage I, of the game. For all I can really make of it is that she is the kind of person who doesn't give up on romance. I mean, that seems to be a part of her too. That is has been more understated. I mean, her relationship with Adama has been a very slow growing one, um, but she's always been very. I don't know. She's never tried to push him away at all. She's a, a person very much ready for for romance, even at the at the bitter end. Even though she warns uh, Adama to prepare for mm. her death, I don't think that's the same thing. I think that is an act of love. Interesting. So I don't know. She's trying to get back in the game. Good for her. This guy was in Cabin in the Woods, apparently. Watchmen, Mulligan. This guy's been in a bunch of shit. The Predator, <laughs> her, her blind date, twenty eighteen. Yeah, Dan Payne. Oh shit. Yeah, Dan Payne is the actor's name. He plays Sean Ellison. Not for teacher. All right. Um, of course, the the we didn't really. I don't think there's much more to really get into this week because we're going to get into some listener comments, but um, a, 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 what a scene between Cottle and Rosalind. Probably a standout moment in the ep. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You, just to even see the the doc choke up at all <laughs> and remind us that he has human emotions. It's powerful. Yeah, um, it's powerful. And I mean, again, I think that comes back to what you were you you brought up earlier. I think it was a really good point that that Rosalind is a true natural leader. Um, sure. That when she has these moments of connection with people, she, she can really connect to them that she, she 
can make him understand how much she appreciates him and how important he is. Yeah. Hell yeah. Good shit, man. Good shit. <laughs> Good episode. Let's get to some listener comments and call it a night. Yes. Uh. All right. I don't... Uh, did we do Brian Locklear? Uh, no, we have not done Brian yet. He says, one, was the night shot on New Caprica a shout out to the opening shot in Logan's run? Ooh, that was a great... We didn't even talk about that. Like that cityscape shot reminded me of Blade Runner a lot too. That's cool. yeah, that's kind of what it made me think of. <laughs> Bunch of sexy girls dancing on stage. Hell yeah, let's get some cyberpunk going. <laughs> Two, Kara just can't help herself. Hope Zach wasn't expecting her to be faithful. We kind of covered that. Adama blowing chunks. Um, I th- um, anyone else recognize the music from Ridley Scott's Alien? I don't. I didn't. That doesn't Ooh, mean not, yeah. that doesn't mean it's not there. I just didn't. That is pretty interesting though. I I would be willing. I wouldn't bet a lot of money on it, but I would probably bet a dollar that it probably wasn't from Alien, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Four, uh, God's damn it, Mary McDonald, powerful scene with Coddle and Sickbay, indeed. Did Raptors jump directly from the flight plot? I thought we were just told a few episodes ago that that was bad. It is bad, but I think they did. <laughs> Desperate times. And number six, here's a good one. Baltar's story arc, his evolution from scientist, betrayer, to humanity, to failed president to religious leader and all the guidance and ear whispering from the head six. All this was to prepare him for the moment he confronts Cavill. He doesn't need help anymore. He knows exactly what to say. Ooh, that's such a good point. Mm. I love that. Not easy to confront the most powerful Cylon in the galaxy. We kind of didn't even get to that too much. That's a great point, Brian. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he steps up there and is like, like Brian said, unaided by anyone else and even head six, like they, st- they stay back and are just watching him, uh, that he is full of confidence, knows and what he's really full of too, for the first time is conviction. Yeah. Belief. Yeah. Like exactly. He, he has full confidence in it. He's not having to be, you know, told to believe and reminded to believe by head six. Yeah. And there's no deception here. Yes. Yeah. Full um, confidence, full honesty. And, and it, it, credit to Dean Stockwell because he is terrifying. You know, like what a great rendition for what would be the evil, the fallen Cylon. He's great. He's great. Oh, yeah. And to face him down takes guts. Good um, there are several, seven. There are several strong contenders, but I would have to say Boomer is the most tragic character in BSG. Yep. She was not given the choice to be a sleeper agent. There was never a scene, a la Total Recall, where we see that she volunteered for the job. For the memories of a lifetime. <laughs> recall, recall, recall. Sorry. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> I remembered work. it. <laughs> she doesn't get her pre-sleeper. I've seen that movie way too many times. <laughs> Did you say that to the last guy you lobotomized? Um, <laughs> she doesn't get her police sleeper identity back if she had one. She was simply used by the Cylons, and when she resurrects, finds to her horror that she is really one of them. Complete mind fuck. What was she supposed to do? As far as she knew, she murdered the old man. Even if she could go back to the fleet, what future was there for her with humans? Like anyone else, she needed to be loved, and the Cylons offered her that at least. It's easy enough for us to be Monday morning quarterbacks, but I don't see how she could really have made a better choice under the circumstances, as broken as she was. In the end, however, I do think she knew stealing Harrow was wrong, but by then, she was in too deep. And the best she could do was finally save Harrow from Simon and return her to Athena, knowing that it was likely to be her final act. At the moment of her death, Boomer had no one and was loved by no one. Whatever the chief has been through, he isn't a total outcast, at least to the point we've seen so far. You know what? You've changed my opinion, Brian. <laughs> Boomer has it worse 
has it worse than Hilo and the Chief. Yeah. Especially, yeah. I mean, what a, what a fucking end. The hope is, oh. does Chief have some semblance of love for her somewhere? God, that's oh. fucking brutal. Yeah, I think um, I think I'm gonna have to agree with you, Brian. Yeah. At the end of the day, Boomer yeah. is the single most tragic figure. It's a it's a really good, really well, and and you know what a fucking what an amazing thing to think about from a storytelling perspective. Because think about the episode Water. Ah, oh, it's such a good episode. She oh. wakes up soaking wet because she swam into the reservoir tanks and planted explosives, and this is the beginning of it. And, and I, and I love, and you know, we talked a lot about this up our own ass, this idea of her being baptized in the water to her new life and, and this, this, this arc that's just brutal, brutal, brutal. Just, and just the necessity of her being so isolated, like her existence is isolation. She's yeah. isolated from, from the, the Cylons because she is made to be a sleeper cell. Amen. Her whole, whole life has been just so alone and she, and she fucking dies alone. Essentially. Brian says a plea. Dean, could we please not discuss the final episode until the episode for Daybreak 2 has been released? I'm saving these moments and want to share the ride with all of you. I guess what he's saying by that is let's release the podcast before we put up the episode for next week, uh, the episode discussion post for next week, right? Uh, there we go. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. We'll do that. Good to go. In fact, <laughs> if you get this up to me soon, I'll get this out soon. That Absolutely, way, I'll do it tonight. Okay, then I will release this tomorrow. So. You guys will be getting this on June 11th, which is re- very early. Well, this is a couple of days early. Um, Helen uh, Landecker says, I second Brian's plea to Dean. Also, one thought about Bummer. Yeah, she's probably the most tragic character, though. I do think her final act of saving Hera is her moment of redemption. Not that it redeems everything, but she claims herself in some way that she hasn't done before. She may be all alone, but she has herself, knows herself finally. It's a really good rebuttal. <laughs> it's a great point, <laughs> yeah. Great point, yeah. Heller. Fucking hey. I keep saying Helen, but it's Heller. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry, Heller. All right, I got one from Mr. T-Dog. Says, Hit us! Some thoughts. Ty, the ultimate wingman at a strip club with his wife and a best friend hooting and hollering, and you notice he never takes his eyes off the stage while talking with Adama. True, true pro. pro. <laughs> Adama promoting Hoshi Oh, sorry. I was going to say, <laughs> all of that shit he wants you to do, that stripper is happening to Ellen tonight. Oh, yeah. Memorizing. <laughs> Adama promoting Hoshi to Admiral. I guess that Ty was wrong when he told Hoshi that he'd never make Admiral after he spilled coffee over the CIC a couple episodes ago. <laughs> I love the transition from Adama looking up at the stars after he vomited to the Galactica in space uh, in the present. So good. Freaking awesome space battle. Dude. Rosalind experiencing triage in the sick bay while the battle raged on was a realistic touch by the showrunners. Yep. Baltar deciding to stay and fight one over both Apollo and Caprica 6. Yep. Apollo even called him doctor before tossing him a weapon, a sign of newfound respect. That's also ah, a good point. T-Dog! T-Fucking-Dog! <laughs> Bringing it out. And then he says, lastly, Baltar's speech near the end of the episode encapsulated the entire in series, in my opinion. Faith, hope, and the ability to see past our differences so that humans and Cylons as a collective can work together in order to achieve prosperity and a new home. I believe that Gaius's redemption arc has been completed. Damn fine way of putting it, T Dog. I agree. T Dog is a fucking legend. <laughs> awesome. Um, Heller? Should we do Heller? Who haven't we, we just done? We just did a Heller, but I think she's got two. <laughs> we did a Heller rebuttal to. Not, not, it's not a rebuttal, it's just an addendum. Like, also Vulture. this. But she says, um. I love seeing the flashbacks to Caprica. That world feels so real, and anytime we go back, I find it thrilling. 
evidence of good writing, I think. Inhabiting that world for a while really compounds the sense of loss that permeates the whole show. Also makes me want to rewatch Caprica. Ooh. Um, scene with Laura saying goodbye. Yep, Romo for Prez. Galactica ramming the column was almost as thrilling as Rescue from New Caprica. Yeah, man. Shit was good. Shit was good. The, um, I think I still prefer the New Caprica one because of the elation of lib- liberating yourself from yeah being under the boot of those fucking guys. Um, I agree. I agree. That it's like it's the beacon of freedom in that. Yeah, moment. it feels it so in good. The atmosphere. Looking up at the sky, you're downtrodden and beaten, and that thing just rips into the atmo. It's like, oh god, goosebumps so just good. thinking about it. Um, I, I had my hair was standing up when I watched that episode, even on a rewatch. Cavill, when they discover that Burma has betrayed them, what a dick. <laughs> such a fitting end for Boomer, such a torn, complicated, self-hating character. I'm glad she made the choice to save her at the end, and it felt utterly right that she had to die. It reminds me a little of that moment in an early episode where Kara takes her own picture down from the memorial wall. It stuck with me as her finally knowing, accepting, actually loving who she is. Ooh, interesting. She honors herself with that action. I think that's what Boomer does here, even as she knows it's the last thing she'll do. Ooh, God, Boomer, you guys are killing me. I know. I know. It's a way of defining yourself. I mean, shit... All she's been defined for as so far is just a pure enemy Cretan backstabber, and damn, she can at least fix part of that in that final moment. Mm. Let's see who else we got. Oh, I want to read one uh, from Mister. Oh, actually, no, Miss Jackie Hockey. Jackie Hockey. Jackie Hockey. Bear McCreary's music just has a certain smack of destiny to it, doesn't it? Regardless of how many times I watch it, I still get chills watching yeah. the truth of the Opera House. Sharon chasing and Rosalind literally dragging herself after Hera, the Galactica and the Opera House interchanging, Cavill marching through the halls like Darth fucking Vader, <laughs> and Caprica and Baltar disappearing with Hera into the CIC. Ooh, and then she asks a big question, which I'm not sure if we can even answer yet. Matthew and Dean, did it satisfy the three seasons? I think she the means the Opera House. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whew, it's a now, well, you, you have it standing at a B right now. Yeah. I'm looking back over your papers. But we'll talk about right it next now. week. Um, <laughs> it's it's super fucking satisfying. All right. Um, did we do Marcus Reyes? I want to get everybody. So. Let's do let's do everybody. Why not? Right. We'll get them. Marcus Reyes says one: the platoon of red striped Saturns welcomed in Galacticus Hangar Bay. That looked badass. Yeah. That red stripe across him. Lee giving Saturn orders to proceed, and it listens. <laughs> The medal is fuck Centurion Battle Royale. The Red Stripes fighting for the humans. Yeah, that's a great point. A few episodes ago, Balthar asked Adama, how long would it be before he allows Centurions aboard the Galactic and tells him that once that happens, it would become a new blended ship. Half human, half Cylon. Here is the culmination of that, and what a remarkable journey for the two species. Could you have imagined at the beginning of the series that it was going to end with a faction of Cylons and humanity fighting alongside one another? That's a great question to reflect on, and the answer is no, and that's why it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, my answer is no. I, I did not see that coming. I never thought we were going to see literally centurions marching alongside with our, our soldiers. It's, it's almost like an interesting experiment where you just say, we're gonna, here's, here, here's, a writing, here's a writing challenge for you. We're going to start with the destruction of your home world by these things. And then in the last episode, one of the last episodes, you're going to be fighting alongside these things. <laughs> Make it, get me that there. Show me your timeline. Get us there. <laughs> get yeah. us there. That's fucking crazy. Oh, fuck. Who else you got? Let's see. Who have we not gotten to? I think we've gotten to Mr. Did you do Zierman? Philip? Um, actually, yes, we did do Philip early in the episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think Man. we're pretty good. 
<laughs> T-Dog, Alan was probably in the back in a lap dance while the boys were having their conversation. 1,000%. <laughs> Making two women kiss in front One of her. Th- hell, yeah. she would so do that. She would. She fucking would. <laughs> Don't oh, you shit. stare at it. Eat it. She's like the female in Bates. <laughs> Eat it. Ba- Bateman, excuse me. I keep fucking up his name. Patrick Bateman. Um, I think we're good. And if we missed you, well, we'll get you next week. But uh, yeah, man, Daybreak Part 2 is in the bag. Shit. Shit. How are we so close? How are we so close? I feel I don't know. unprepared. <laughs> Fucking A. Man, it's wild. It's bittersweet, dude. But damn. We are definitely hearing the groaning death cries of the Galactica in this episode, man. This is, this is the end. I, sh- I mean, shit. I, we didn't even talk about some of the scenes of destruction, of watching the I-beams piercing through the sides, through the hallways. Oh, this, this poor sweet ship. Sweet summer child. Poor sweet baby. It's done. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, player. Well, there we have it. On to the final episode. On to the final episode, bro. Wow. Boy. (laughs) All right. You guys have a good one. We will catch you guys next week for the finale, Matthew. The finale of Battlestar Galactica. And we will get this episode up on... What's today? Wednesday? Indeed. On Thursday. I'll drop this thing on June 11th, so it'll be a few days early. That way we have time to drop the pre-show convo for you guys will have time to have listened and ship. Beautiful. Awesome. We're out of here. Matthew, tell these good people goodbye. Yeah!